I need somebody now. Man, the lyric of that song is right on. That's the answer. Do you realize it? The answer to the anxiety robbing you of life is a somebody. Some people, most people, think that it's somewhere else. If I can just get better circumstances in my life to take away the danger, then I'll feel better. Well, good luck with that. The truth is, life on planet Earth, it's dangerous. Relationships, career, health, danger is inevitable. But there's a way to be fearless. The only way to fearless living is finding that somebody who can take away Friends, I'm, I'm thinking of all of you who are visitors and just want to say welcome to the Compass Church and Happy Easter. Thinking of all of you, we're a, we're a multi-site church, and so everybody at 95th Happy Easter, Bolingbrook, Wheaton, and Hobson here, Happy Easter, everyone. I wonder if you can relate to the words of that song. Sometimes I feel like the walls of my life are caving in. Sometimes it feels like the anxiety is just ruining me and crying out, can somebody help? Can somebody help? I can relate to that. I deal with a lot of fear. That's why I'm so excited about this new series called Fearless, because this is my issue. I've always been prone to anxiety and worry and fear. That's why, did you notice in that video I I was standing on a cliff edge? Anybody? Please tell me you noticed that, because... (laughs) Uh, that, about, that was a bad idea, just so you know. That, that was out at Starved Rock. There's some amazing cliffs there. And I thought, you know, that'll illustrate the point. Well, here's the problem. I couldn't think. I'm on that edge. And it's precipitous fall. I would have died. And so I'm, we had to do like 20 takes because my mind was so flustered with fear. I have an extreme fear of heights. And uh, it just... Uh, just about uh, did me in there. I don't know if you noticed, I was leaning towards the land side as I talked, you know. I got my feet close to the edge, does that count? And as real as my fear of heights is, I thought it would be good to demonstrate to you that that fear can be overcome if you've got the right somebody. So here's what I'm going to do. I mean, even ladders bother me, all right? Ladders bother me, and so uh, I'm going to climb this one. Now, uh, you should know as I climb it that I've got uh, a rope here that's, well, it's designated, I think it holds 2,000 pounds, so I'm safe. And it's uh, (laughs) securely fastened to a belt loop on my pants, and so I'm going to... No, it's not. Some of you are like, Jeff, I don't think I've butt loop. I've actually got a harness underneath my jeans and, or pants here, and I'm going to uh, rely on the safety of that and walk out here. And so, hi. Oh, I can see everybody up there. It's good to see you all. Huh? Friends, you, you may say, Jeff, if you had a fear of heights, you couldn't do that. No, I do. I do. In fact... Uh, I felt it when I was on that cliff so strongly. You're like, wait a minute, I think this is more dangerous. I mean, this beam is by far more narrow than that cliff. The cliff was relatively wide in comparison. And I have no fear in this moment for one important difference between that and this. And and the difference is George. I love you, George. (laughs) 
Friends, uh, George has got me. This rope that's connected to the harness is connected to George. And George loves me, right? And, and he's got me. This rope makes all the difference. So let me tell you what the rope does. If I were to get unstable, I can stabilize myself because of George's help. If I fell, and I won't, but I tested this in practice, and sure enough, he's got me, and he'll rescue me if I fall. The key to fearlessness is not avoiding danger, because friends, that's impossible. This world is a scary place, and if you think you can avoid that, you're kidding yourself. The key to fearlessness is not avoiding danger, but being well-connected to the someone who can change everything. Are you connected to that someone? You say, well, who's the someone? George? No. George symbolizes for us the resurrected one, Jesus Christ. And in the balanced beam of life, the, the fear is chased away when you know you're connected to the Christ who was resurrected on the first Easter. Just got to ask. Are you connected to Jesus? Do you know you're connected to Jesus? Does your connection to him play such a big part in your perception of your life that you can live in a scary world without fear? Well, friends, that's what this Easter is all about, is helping us connect to Jesus and learning from the Easter passage. Some of you are like, I'm going to be so glad when you're down off of that ladder, Jeff, and... I would tell you I'm going to be kind of glad when I'm down on the ground too. So uh, there we go. Oh, the beautiful ground. And thank you, George, for helping me out. Uh, Friends, uh, I'm so excited to show you how two women who were amazing. Just We're going to learn about two women. You should know that the courageous ones in that first Holy Week were all the ladies. The men were chickens. Uh, when Jesus was crucified, do you know that the men just ran away? Uh, the men couldn't be there to support Jesus. So there was one. John was there. But the rest of the courageous followers who stood by Jesus in his scariest moment were women. And when it comes to the first Easter... The men are all in hiding still, but two women come out of hiding, bravely go to the grave to check on the one they love. And that's Mary Magdalene. Mary is uh, from a city called Magdala. Uh, Crazy story. Poor Mary. She was filled with seven demons in her, but Jesus chased those away. And then there's another Mary. This Mary is Mary, the mother of James. And this James was one of the disciples. So she's a uh, mother of one of the disciples of Christ. And their story and how they were freed from fear is found in Matthew 18. So I'd like to turn there now. Matthew 18, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven. And going to the tomb, the angel rolled back the stone and then sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So let's take a look here. I've highlighted some words. The guards are the first to deal with fear in this passage. So afraid. 
What happened? They shook. They became like dead men. Uh, that means they passed. That can happen, you know. You can be so afraid that you pass out and just faint. And that's what happened. What we see in this verse is the effects of fear. One of the things that makes fear so awful is not the fear itself, but the effects fear has on people. Do you ever think about the way fear steals life from people? First of all, your, your health. If you have anxiety and worry and stress, friends, it'll give you headaches and muscle tension and chest pain, fatigue, shorten the length of your life. Relationships are impacted by fear. Did you ever think about that? Uh, When you try to relate to people, if you're overcome with fear, are you very patient with those you love? No. Do you have much love for them? Yes, but you don't show it well when you're all anxious because anxious people are self-centered people thinking about their stuff. And to really be joyful and peaceful and loving to others just isn't natural when you're all consumed with anxiety. Friends, relationships fail. Work fails. If you think about it, your capacity to focus on the task at work diminishes when you're all cluttered with anxiety. Your confidence, your vitality, your work performance will go down. If stress and anxiety are winning the day. The very decisions that make up life. You know, life is a bunch of decisions. Well, our decision-making capacity diminishes with fear. Uh, we, We avoid the very best decisions that God wants us to walk down, but fear keeps us from those great adventures. And sometimes fear causes us to make decisions that are about avoidance or escapism, and sometimes addictions result from fear. Friends, uh, indecision and the inability to make decisive decisions. Some have even argued, and I would agree with it, that fear is wreaking havoc on the world at large. When you look at the prejudice in our world, so often behind racial prejudice is it's fear. What's behind hate? What's behind war? Fear. Friends, we got to get rid of this fear because the effects, the effects are profound. So let's move on. Uh, verse 5, the angel said to the women. So apparently the men of the guards have passed out, and right at that time, you know, the stone has been rolled away. This, the women arrive, and the angel speaks. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified, but he's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he laid. Uh, Friends, we've highlighted here, do not be afraid. Simple command. And do you know that this is the most common command in the whole Bible? Some of the old versions say, fear not. You know, I like that phrase. Uh, This command to not be afraid is found 154 times in Scripture. In fact, this week, I thought it would be good for me to read all 154 occurrences. And I did that, and I was blessed by it. The frequency of this command reaching the number one spot of most frequent in the Bible tells us something, doesn't it? What does it tell us? Since God returns to this again and again, here's what it tells us. Fear's a big problem. God would not have spoken of it so often if it wasn't a major problem. It's so big, in fact, all of us. (laughs) Now, I know some of you men are like, I'm not afraid of nothing. Yeah, I know it's not very manly to confess your fears. 
How about stress? Oh, yeah, I got stress. I don't know why we feel better about that. But, well, here. So, men, if you'll admit to your stress, I got to tell you something. You know what's behind your stress? Fear. Why are we stressed? It's the fear of failure. Can't fail. It's the fear of looking bad. It's the fear of not being enough. It's the fear of letting people down. It's deep. We don't want to admit it. But every one of us is dealing with fear. That's why God speaks to it again and again and again and again, 154 times. And then the, the fact that God calls us to be fearless, there's hope in that. It's as if the Lord is saying, we've all got this fear, and it doesn't have to be that way. There is a way in connection to Jesus, the resurrected one, that we can find freedom from fear. And so let's find out how these ladies found it. I want to go next to highlighting the word crucified. The angel says, I know what you're looking for. I know what you're thinking about. I know what event is very prominent in your thinking right now, and that's the crucifixion. Jesus died. That's the bad news. Jesus died. And that was very bad news for these ladies. They loved Jesus more than life itself. He was everything to them, and he died. That's true. That's the bad news. But the angels say there's more than the bad news. What you need to realize is the good news. He's not here. He has risen. Friends, the story of Jesus Christ and the story of us as a result is a bad news, good news story. And fear is driven when you become preoccupied with the bad news and you fail to incorporate the good news. If, if, if all you think about is death, I'm going to die, my body's falling apart, it's collapsing towards death, my relationships are struggling, some of them are going to die, my work situation is going to die, everything's going to die. If you focus on just the bad news, yeah, fear will win the day. But if you focus on the, the resurrection life, that's not only for Christ, it's for those of us who know him, it changes everything. You may say, wait a minute, everybody can celebrate that resurrection. It's not just Jesus. Yes. If you're a Christian, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only a celebration that he lives forever, but that we with him also live forever. And you say, if you're a Christian, well, I check Christian in the box, so I'm, I'm good, right? No. I try to live a moral life. I'm not perfect. I'm better than most, so I'm good, right? No. The Bible says that if you're striving to live a, a life of moral excellence and your confidence is that, and your hope is that that's enough, you're climbing the wrong ladder. Friends, the only way to get right with God is actually to abandon any hope that you're good enough and to admit you got a real problem. You have failed God countless times that you can't even remember. And to bring your failure to him and say, I can't do anything about this mess. Rather, I'm looking for you, Jesus, to do what I can't do. Jesus, would you be the forgiver of my sins? You died on the cross to pay the penalty for me. So I'm asking you, would you forgive Would you lead? And in this moment of grace, when we turn to the Lord, we we become a new creation. Our, our, Our lives are reconciled to God. We're adopted into his family. He says, call me dad because I call you daughter. I call you son. And in that moment, his resurrection becomes our resurrection. And we look at death and we're like, oh, I know where this story ends. I'm going to transition through death and enter into a perfected earth. Heaven is the way things were meant to be. 
And friends, when you celebrate the resurrection as it applies to you, that big win, that big good news chases away the bad news. It doesn't chase them away, I should say. It just makes them so insignificant. You've heard it said, don't sweat the small stuff. Well, when you realize how great Christ and the resurrection is in our lives, it's all small stuff. I was trying to think of an illustration, and yesterday I stopped by the gas station, and uh, I went in, and I saw something. That'll work. I took out my phone. I took a picture of the lottery display. That was, do you know how many games they, they try to entice us into playing? I was just amazed. And here, imagine this. What if I, pastor, bought you an Easter gift? What if I bought a lottery ticket? No, what if I bought 10 lottery tickets, one of all these different games, and I gave them to you, and I said, here, these are for you. And we sat down at a table together, and you said, let's start with the Mega Millions. I I went online. It's at $192 million right now. I'm not advocating this, by the way. Uh, And and you, you were to say, how did I do on that? And I were to look and go, oh, Turns out you won Mega Millions. Congratulations, $192 million is now yours. You'd go ballistic. You'd be dancing and calling people and screaming. And as you're celebrating, I continue to check the other lesser ones. And it's bad news. And I say to you, you may want to think of stopping that celebration. It turns out all the rest are losers. You would be like, I don't care. I won the grand prize. Friends, that's the Christian life. When we understand what we've won in Christ, all the other things we used to freak out about and say, oh, if that happens, that would be devastating. It just shrink in comparison to the greatness of being a child of God, of knowing that the Lord adores you, that you are his and that heaven is awaiting and that no one can take that away from you. Oh, the good news. So, I can tell I need to get more practical. Let me bring it down to my own fears, shall I? You know of my fear of heights. Uh, I have another one. It's actually my worst fear. And I know you're going to struggle to believe this. It's public speaking. (laughs) Friends, I struggle so much. Uh, Back in college, I was given a special exemption that I didn't have to do the required speeches. I can't even talk. Uh, Speeches because of the panic attacks that I I dealt with. And some of you are like, well, you got over that. No, I still struggle with this. In Easter, it's bad because there's so many of you. And uh, you may want to, if you smiled at me, actually, that would help me in this. uh, Thank you. Uh, Almost every week, I, I deal with this mounting anxiety. And I've been leaning into that, trying to figure it out and how I can grow in this area. And I've studied it. You know what the f- behind, what's behind the fear of public speaking? is the fear of public humiliation. It's the fear of blowing it, doing poorly, and everybody looking at you going, hey, he's, he's a bum. And I, and I fear that. I want to please people. And so there's a danger. If this sermon stinks, you could look at me and just say, oh, that guy's no good you know what? Who cares what you think about me? I'm I'm sorry, no offense, man. But I'm telling you, the Lord loves me, even if I were to just be terrible at my calling here and everybody conclude, Jeff's no good. The Lord would say, Jeff, you're my son. You'll always be my son and I love you. And his approval is enough. 
Now, some of you are like, oh, well, that's one bad sermon, Jeff. Let's imagine a worse scenario. What if you preach, like, every sermon's terrible? What if this whole series stinks? What if uh, you, you are so poor at this calling that you get fired? Is that the end of the world? Is my life this job? No. If, if I were to get fired, God would provide. He'd provide another preacher for the church. He'd provide another job for me. I'm not sure what I'd do. Janae, uh, my daughter, said this week in the car, we were driving past a garbage truck. She said, Dad, did you know garbage men are well paid? I don't know where she gets her information, but maybe I could do that. You know, I'd love to drive a garbage truck, and I would love life doing that. You're like, wait a minute. Why would you love life doing that? Isn't your purpose in life found in your job? No. My life is found in Christ. It's being his child. It's being adored by him and led by him and walk with him. That's his resurrection life in me is what's the greatest joy. And so all of these little things that tend to be what cause me fear, they melt away when when I stand in this truth that I have a life in him that nothing can take away. What is it that you fear? And how does it compare to the greatness of what you have in the resurrection of Christ. Don't sweat the small stuff. So uh, if we were to say it this way, the first key to fearlessness is being connected to the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus and your resurrection through him, all right? You've got to know the truth of the resurrection. And you say, is that enough? If I really integrate the truth of the resurrection into my life, will that chase away the fear? It's not fully enough. In fact, we can tell that as we continue in this passage. Verse 7, the angel says to the ladies, Then go quickly and tell his disciples, tell them that he is risen from the dead, and that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. The angel says, Now I've told you. Verse 8, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. I love this phrase. They were afraid, but filled with joy. Are things improving emotionally in their hearts? Oh, yeah. They had very little joy, probably none, when they first arrived, and this knowledge of the resurrection, the the good news added to the bad news, has changed things. There's a joy that's there, but is all the fear gone? No. No. There's still some there. What we're about to see is it's not enough to be connected to the resurrection. You also need to be connected to the resurrected one. You need to be connected to the truth of the resurrection, but maybe even more importantly, the person who was resurrected. And that's what the ladies are about to experience. Let's read verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them right there outside of the graveyard. There he was. Uh, greeting. <laughs> Hi, Jesus says. You know, what do you say in that moment? What a fun moment. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Friends, this is a delightfully awkward moment. Do you feel it? Jesus is like, 
greetings, and then they come running. And what do they do? They clasp his feet. Can you imagine Jesus standing there as two ladies are wrapped around his ankles? Whoa, whoa. And uh, you say, why are they doing that? It's actually a beautiful thing. What they want to do is hug him. You say, yeah, that would be more normal if they had just run to him and put him in an embrace and say, oh, Jesus, we love you, we need you. Why the ankles? Here's why. Because at this moment, they are realizing the majesty of Christ revealed through his resurrection. They are seeing his kingship, and they realize just naturally the need to worship. To approach him up high as his equal makes no sense. They must fall to the ground and bow before his majesty. You see here, they wanted to worship him. And so this moment is a bow hug combo resulting in them clasping his feet. It's a beautiful thing. You want to know how to get over fear? Cling to Jesus. Are you clinging to Jesus? Some of you are like, you know, they had an advantage that Jesus was in the flesh standing there. They could literally grab him. Yeah, you're right. That'd be nice. We don't have that. But you can still cling to Jesus. When you turn in prayer and turn to him and say, Lord, I'm focusing on you. I need you. I need to know you're near. I need to know you care. I need to hear you. Friends, the presence of God can come crashing in and in your clinging, he can become so real and his nearness can make all the difference. King David said this wonderfully in Psalm 23. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why no fear, David? He says, because you are with me. That's the difference the presence of God makes. And I see it again and again in, in all of you. In fact, Friday night, I was at the Hobson campus for the, uh, one of the Good Friday services. And afterwards, this guy came up to me, uh, a friend I know, and he says, Jeff, uh, I've had the week. And I go, tell me about it. He's newer to this relationship with Jesus thing. And so he wanted to check with a pastor as to if his experience was biblical is this normal? Because this is strange. And I'm like, tell me about it. He goes, I, had, I got the worst news of my life a week ago, that my wife has cancer. Suddenly, the doctors are saying, we need to do surgery immediately. And he said, a few days ago, my wife had major surgery to remove a tumor. And he said, I, I was at the hospital, and I was just beside myself. He said, I've never felt fear like this in my life. And he said, you know what I did? I prayed. Good, good call. He said, I prayed. I cried out, Jesus, I need you. I need you. My wife needs you. Step in, Lord. And he said, Jeff, it was the weirdest thing. Suddenly I knew he was there. It was like he was, you know, hugging me. Like he was speaking in my ear. He goes, I felt this, this I didn't hear anything audibly, but I, I felt it in my heart. Him say, it's going to be okay. He said, it's going to be okay. And he said, then it was like this warm peace started on the tip of my head and just came all the way down my body to the tips of my toes. And I had just been in the worst fear of my life a moment earlier. And now I'm in the most glorious peace I have ever experienced. He's like, is that normal? (laughs) And I says, it is for those who cling to Jesus. Friends, This is the glory of the Christian life. It's not the avoidance of what's fearful, but it's the presence 
of the resurrected one who makes all the difference. So I just got to ask again, are you connected to Jesus? And then not only are you connected to him, do you think about it? You know, on that beam, had I not focused on the rope and on George, that would have been a terrifying reality. But the whole time I'm thinking, I got the rope and George has got me. I got the rope and George has got me. And that focus brought that reality in so profoundly that it chased away the fear. And when we can focus on the connection to the resurrection, I know where I'm going. I know what life I have. And when we can focus on the resurrected one, and I know who's with me, changes everything, everything. These ladies were commanded by Jesus to go and tell. And boy, did they do that with boldness that is inspiring. Mary and Mary became the first brave witnesses of the resurrection to bring that news with courage into a hostile environment. May we similarly become fearless. Hey, let me close with a story about my son. So I have a son named Jake. He's 12 years old today. I remember eight years ago when he was just a little guy, only four. And uh, I wanted so bad for him to go on a roller coaster for the first time. And he's standing there looking at the roller coaster and watching how fast it goes and watching those turns. He had never seen anything so terrifying. And he's like, ah, I don't know, Dad. And I'm like, come on, Jake, let's do it. And he finally looked at me and goes, Dad, will you be with me? And this was a roller coaster where I could sit with him in my lap pretty much. And I'm like, yes, Jake, I'll be there holding on to you. And he says, okay, I'll do it. And so we got into this roller coaster, and I wrapped one arm tightly around Jake. Probably a bad idea. But the other arm, I had my phone, and I was shooting a video of my son on his first roller coaster. In fact, uh, here's a clip from that video. Here we go, buddy! We haven't gotten to the... Oh, that's a scary one. Yeah. Uh, those tips, man, I'll tell you, they can tell you. Right, here comes another scary one. Smile goes away. You want to see a look of fear? I'll show you a look of fear. That's fear right there. Uh, but Jake is just learning. He's learning a couple of things. He's like, it feels like this thing is out of control, but I'm realizing it's still on the tracks. And I'm realizing my dad's still got me. Let's watch just a little more. <laughs> Stop it right there, huh? Friends, I, I contend that that in all of its simplicity, is a spiritually, theologically profound picture. This is what God wants for you. This picture represents the life we were meant to live. It's scary. It's a wild ride that we're on. We can't avoid the unexpected turns and the bumps along the way. It's just a scary ride. And though it feels out of control, Those of us who are connected to the resurrection, we know it isn't out of control. It's firmly connected to the tracks. And Jesus is taking us 
to an end, to a destination, to an eternal resurrection that is glorious. We can't wait. But most importantly, we know that the Father has got us. And my prayer is increasingly that you'd feel his embrace, that you'd sense the heartbeat of the Father against your own, that you'd hear his voice whispering in your ear, I've got you. Come on, let's do it together. I love you, child. I love you. You're mine. And as as a result of his companionship, even though you're still on the scary ride, you would have a joy as the result of the fear being chased away by the resurrected one. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we want to be connected to Jesus. All of us, I I pray all of us can say that's our desire. We want you, Jesus, to be our everything. Be the forgiver of our sins. Take away all of our sin and failure. Only you can do that. And Jesus, take our broken lives and lead us. We want to follow you for the rest of our days. And Jesus, may you be that somebody who can take away the fear. May we know that your resurrection has changed our story and given us a new ending that is glorious. And may we know that the resurrected one is with us every step along the way. Father, speak of your love. We need to know that you're near. God, I pray we would just stand in your love. Lord, I know that our fear doesn't have a chance when we're standing in your love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.